Hey, this is Craig and Lump from Heathen, and you're listening to Misery Point Radio. Thanks for hanging out with me again on Misery Point Radio. Always appreciate the epic levels of support that you all give to me in this crazy show. It warms what's left of my brittle little heart and fills me with that oh-so-pleasant tingly sensation to know that you're still here of your own free will. I heart you. I'm also stoked to share with you all that we continue to engage in worldwide domination as we've now creeped into the airwaves in over 50 countries. Super badass. Thanks to you the listeners, and of course, the badass artists. And speaking of badass artists, today's guest, Craig and Lum, is a prime example, the textbook definition of musical badassery. As a member of old school metal acts, Psychosis and Prototype, Craigan had already made a solid name for himself in the industry before joining forces with two, count them two, Bay Area legends. As if hooking up with OG metal gods heathen wasn't enough, he also took on full-time touring duties with Exodus for several years to help out his friends in their time of need. So today we got the gritty details of his time in Exodus, the upcoming re-release of Heathen's album The Evolution of Chaos to mark its 10th anniversary, the details on the upcoming and oh-so-close new Heathen album, and his passion project of transcribing and publishing guitar books. I love that. We also went down a rabbit hole into his past and waxed nostalgic about his time and mine in the video game industry. And of course, what ultimately led to him to take the plunge and decide to pursue a full-time career in music. So many cool things to talk about, so little time. So put your copy of Guitar Hero 3 or Tony Hawk's Downhill Jam on pause, grab yourself a delicious plate of rice aroni, and hang out for this killer discussion of new things from the old school. Check it out. Hey, Craig, and welcome to the show, brother. Appreciate you being here. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, there's a lot of really cool stuff I, I was kind of hoping to chat with you about today. So depending on time, we'll see how much we can get into. Uh, a lot of cool stuff coming down the road with Heathen, of course. And uh, really, I think what's on a lot of people's mind right now is sadly your time with Exodus just ended. So I was kind of hoping to chat with you a little bit about that experience if you're down. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Uh, you said numerous times that, you know, that those guys really treated you like family. And I know that there's a lot of crossover between bands. Uh, some of these guys you'd known for a while, of course, with Lee and things like that. So uh, tell us about how you got hooked up with that gig and kind of what it was like and some of your favorite parts about that gig. Well, uh, I joined Heathen back in 2007 right. uh, mm-hmm. and was in the band for... A couple of years before we recorded the Evolution of Chaos record, and we did a lot of touring, um, <clears throat> particularly in Europe for that album. And over the course of the tours, uh, we had the opportunity to do uh, a couple of different uh, short tours with Exodus. And uh, during that time, we shared ended up sharing the bus, uh, the tour bus with them. And uh, you know, we had a. a it was really good camaraderie. Of course, those guys all already knew each other. Um, but, uh, I, that was sort of my introduction to, to those guys, um, on, on sort of a personal level. And then, uh, it was somewhere around 2013 
where uh, Gary had started playing with Slayer already previous previously, and they they had an opportunity to do um, some touring, and I guess the 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 year before that in 2012, Rick was actually filling in for Gary. Oh, okay. So it was Rick and Lee playing. And, uh, and Rick couldn't do it for some reason or another. Um, and so they asked me to do it. And this was when Rob was in the band. It was, a it was a European tour for the exhibit B album. Um, and so, uh, that was the first time I toured with them and, uh, you know, it was really fun. You know, I, I love playing with Lee and, and, um, you know, we came kind of, kind of became, uh, you know, I guess, friendlier or whatever with the, with the rest of Exodus. And, um, I think it was the year after that where they were, they had recorded blood in blood out and, um, they were going to go to Australia and, uh, Gary had some, some, uh, physical ailment and, and couldn't go on the tour. I think, I think he had, I, I can't remember to be honest with you. I don't know if he rolled his ankle or, or if it was uh, family stuff, but they called Lee called me at, at 830 in the morning and he never calls me that early. Uh, <laughs> and uh, and so I was like, I don't know, maybe he pocket dialed me or, or something. maybe he was just still uh, up and never went to bed. No, no, he he probably went to bed. We, we were home. Oh, gotcha. So uh, he called me and, and left me a message and and he said, call me right back. I was like, okay, well, this must be important, you know, because like I said, he doesn't call me that early. So uh, I called him back and he said, hey, you know, can you go to Australia with us? And I said, sure. When when do you need me to go? And he's like, tonight. <laughs> so right um, now I had I, I had that was that was really my trial by fire uh, with those guys. And, and I had 12 hours to pack uh practice because i hadn't played those songs for a long time uh learn two songs that i had never played from blood in blood out and uh get ready you know to to play in front of judas priest so um after that tour it was pretty consistent that that they needed somebody to fill in for gary he was he was busy i ended up doing most of the touring for uh blood in blood out actually and uh, I grew to be really close with all the guys. We're we're all friends, um, and uh, I just I I loved playing with them. They were one of my favorite all time bands growing up as a kid. Um, I've been really fortunate to be able to play with two of my favorite bands of all time now, um, Heathen and Ex- Exodus. So um, it's really great, and I still work with them on a, on the management side. So right. um, I'm do do special projects for them and work on on, uh, upcoming releases and things like that. So, yeah. And how was working with them at the time you were, you were in heathen and you were kind of cutting your teeth on that. What was the differences between working for two OG bands that kind of, you know, had the same origin stories as far as being Bay area stuff? Um, Well, I mean, you know, each, each group, any band has its own kind of dynamic, Right. right? And even when they, even when, when Rob left and Zetro came in, the dynamic changes a little bit because they're different people. So, um, you know, that part of it was just a little bit different. Um, playing with Lee, I mean, he's like my older brother at this point and we're, we, when we play, it's like, it's, it's easy, you know, we're, we're a team. So, um, that part of it wasn't, wasn't a challenge. Tom is 
fucking awesome drummer. So <laughs> playing with him was easy. And, you know, I mean, it's, we, we, we developed like a chemistry when I was playing with Exodus that really we didn't even have, uh, we, we, we really didn't even have it developed with Heathen um, where, where we kind of like knew where, where everybody was going to be on stage and could move around freely. And it was like uh, seamless, you know, um, we kind of had every, everybody had everything down and, you know, we're, Exodus is not one of those bands like Megadeth, for example, where they map out literally everything they're going to do on stage. It's like uh, synchronized everything where you, this guy goes to this spot and this guy goes to this spot and you headbang at this time. Exodus is like a free for all. Yeah. So, you know, and, and Heathen's the same way. We don't we don't map anything out. It's just a show. Which you, we, we don't prepare anything other than the song. So you get a fully <laughs> organic experience out of the show. That's right. I mean, that's really what thrash metal was supposed to be about yeah. and, and what it had, had been about. So, um, you know, that's playing with the two bands is obviously different. I mean, Exodus is less, how can I explain it? Exodus is less technical, I guess. Um, Heathen is a little more technical. So, uh, you know, we, I don't know if we can quite run around as much because uh, some of the stuff is harder to play. Um, the older songs, not so much, but you know, uh, it, it, other than that, I mean, it's really, it's just the difference in the dynamic between, you know, the bands with the people. Yeah. Well, so. you were able to kind of slide right in there and it, it didn't seem to, uh, slow anybody down. So yeah, that, that was definitely awesome that you were able to kind of work both sides of that. Um, yeah, I mean, my, my goal with that, with filling in for Gary was that if somebody closed their eyes and listened that it still sounded like Exodus. That's what I wanted. So I worked really hard on trying to make the the, the performance, uh, you know, up to those standards. I mean, I even learned some of the crazy picking patterns that he yeah. does. That <laughs> you know, Lee Lee doesn't do them the same. But I I wanted it to sound like Gary was playing. You know, and I don't play solos the same way that he did. But I did my best to do my interpretation of the original leads that were on the records. Sure. So what do you think was the biggest challenge for you in stepping into that? Was it just learning the material or was it really trying to embody the feeling that Exodus was known for? It was, uh, it wasn't either actually. I mean, I, I, I've listened to them since bonded by blood. Sure. So, I mean, I knew the, what the music and the feeling and everything was all about and I understood the playing and I could play it. It was really the, in, it was really just in the beginning. It was kind of overcoming um, it was overcoming that feeling of like, you know, who's this guy, you know, in, in the beginning, we did actually have a, a couple of hecklers, you know, that were upset that Gary wasn't yeah, there. The purists. And thankfully the other guys in the band were basically like, you don't like it, fuck off and leave. You know, this is, this is our guy and he's going to play with us. And so either like it or yeah. don't, but, but I mean, ultimately after a while, uh, aside from the uh, loud people on the internet that don't actually go to the shows, it seems um, uh, it, uh, uh, it seemed like anyway that a, that a lot or most of the fans really um, accepted me and they understood the position that that Gary was in and the opportunity that he had to play with Slayer and of course the opportunity that I had to play with Exodus and I think they just sort of. At, at some point sort of, uh, accepted it and, 
and enjoyed it for the, for what it was, you know? Um, and of course, you know, everybody's happy to have Gary back and I don't, I, I don't have a problem with that. I think it's awesome. Yeah. You know, I'm sure that there would be, there would be doors so, open for you in the future. Should anything else pop up? So, Oh, well, yeah. And I mean, I don't even think about it like that. I just think about, okay, well that, that, that sort of came to an end and, and now it's, you know, it's actually perfect timing because we're just about finished with the new record for heathen. And we've got a bunch of touring stuff planned for, for this year. Yeah. And, so we're just going to kind of make the most of it while they're working on the new Exodus record. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty good timing. Maybe, maybe the bands can even do something together again. I mean, that oh, would be, cool. that would be Jordan. epic. <laughs> yeah. That was a, that yeah. was pretty long for a quote unquote temporary gig. I mean, you definitely put some time in. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it was six, six years that I played with them. So, and it was really, I mean, it was hundreds of gigs, like, it wasn't just a couple, yeah. <laughs> you know, filling in, you know, it was, it was, it was extensive. I mean, we, like I said, we, we have, we grew to, to really have a good chemistry playing together. So yeah. What was, uh, I definitely, what do you think if there was, I know that there's a tons of memories and experiences you'll have from this, but was there any, any particular memory or experience that stands out for you Just something either super crazy or super awesome that, that you'll always remember from that gig? Um, I, there's, there's a lot of them. I mean, you know, we got the opportunity to play with Metallica, yeah. uh, which I never thought I would ever be able to do. Um, just some of the bands. I mean, we pretty much played shows with, with like uh, all the bands that I grew up loving, except the only one I didn't get to do was Iron Maiden. Yeah. You know, Gary, Gary did that show. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it, Gary. <laughs> uh, yeah. And that was in LA where I, you know, grew up. So I would have had lots of friends yeah, there. Yeah, hometown so, but, show would have been killer. Yeah, but they told me they told me I didn't miss much. They had a lot of problems. With that oh, show, well, so. hey, there you go, kismet, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> so, uh, you know, obviously, you knew that at some point it was going to wind down. I mean, did you have any feeling, you know, when you knew for a fact, hey, this was actually going to come to an end? Was there was there really ever an official conversation, or did the transition just kind of naturally happen? No, I mean, uh, the thing with those guys is they're really informal. There's not, they're, they're really not like a heavy business oriented band. Um, They've always been about the music. And of course, uh, in some ways, I think that's, that's um, hindered their career a little bit. Um, But the great thing about it is that they're just good people. And they, um, they treated me really well. And, um, there was never any, I mean, there was never any formal discussion of when it would come to an end or any of that kind of thing. It's always, it was always just like, look, the door's open. If we have stuff, you're, you're coming with us. And, you know, when Gary's done, then, you know, then it is what it is. Then it is what it is. And yeah, I mean, we played, uh, what was my last show, uh, was in Mexico at a festival and it, and it was great. And, you know, I have no complaints. I don't, I don't look back and I don't feel bad about it or any of that. I was just, I, I'm fortunate, like I said, to be able to play with these guys. They're heroes of yeah. mine. So well, an absolutely badass experience. And like you were saying, you know, timing's working out. You've got tons of stuff kind of, uh, going on right now, uh, including managing war curse, of course, which I was just, uh, talking to Justin and I didn't know you were involved in that project as well. So that's super yep. fucking cool. Um, 
Yeah, I noticed a lot of musicians. You guys got your hands in in lots of pots, if you will. You kind of have to being a musician. I mean, um, I I I spent uh, twelve years of my life in the video game industry. Yeah, we're definitely going to talk and, about that. And when that ended, um, uh, you know, I looked at it actually as an opportunity to go back and do what I yeah. love which was playing music full time. So I haven't had a job, a, a, a day job since then. Um, of course that requires a lot of having your hands on a lot of things, you know? So yeah. to be able to say that you make your living in the music industry in some capacity is I think a lot of people don't really understand how much work that that actually takes. And having been there myself, uh, it's just mind blowing when I realize the amount of multitasking and a lot of behind the scenes things that really have to happen for people to even stand a chance to make that work for them. So props to you yeah. on that. Yeah. Oh, thanks. So got to do what you got to do. <laughs> do what you got to do. So, uh, yeah, we'll talk about that, uh, that Activision gig here in a few minutes, but let's talk about what's going on in the heathen camp. So. I guess the uh, the burning question on everybody's mind, including mine, is: Are you, in fact, a band full of heathens? Uh, <laughs> no. Actually, everybody's got their own kind of uh, religious <laughs> views and everything. So, I don't know if we're all heathens. We're not. We're not doing any Vikings. So. All right. <laughs> I'm. I'm too busy for that. Sure. Uh, <laughs> so you guys are. Uh, you're getting ready to re-release the Evolution of Chaos. Uh, you know, it came out in 2009. So, and this is the one album that you really had your hands fully invested in. Um, so, so what's the idea behind doing the re-release? Is there a special occasion for this, or or how did the conversation come about? Yeah. So uh, basically. I knew that we were going to be releasing the new album this mm -hmm. year. And I, I, I put my manager hat on, I manage even too. Right. So, uh, I put my manager hat on and I'm trying and I'm, I want to make the most out of everything that we do. So I looked and and I was like, you know, next, the, this was last year, it's next year, uh, 2020 is going to be the, the official 10th anniversary of, uh, the evolution of chaos. It did come out in 2009 in Japan, but everywhere else it came out in 2010. Gotcha. Um, and so I, I talked to uh, mascot records that released the album and, uh, I proposed the idea of doing a 10th anniversary edition and kind of went back and forth on, um, what the content would be. Um, you really have to, when you're working with the label, you have to convince them of why it's going to be a good idea. Sure. It's basically to them, it's business. So, uh, we were able to track down, uh, an unreleased song called seasons in purgatory, which, um, uh, former bass player, uh, rest in peace, John Torres yeah. wrote. Um, and we thought that this track was lost. Um, it was never officially completed because we were trying to find, uh, vocals to go with it. And, uh, we were, we tried numerous things in the studio um, when we were recording the evolution chaos record and it just wasn't, the vocals just weren't coming together. So anyway, we tracked this down and, uh, and, and listened to it. And, uh, you know, all of us were kind of like, it sounds like an instrumental, like it did at the time. And it does now when we listen to it. So we, we had that mixed by the same guy who mixed the evolution of chaos, uh, Jacob Hansen. And, uh, he, he got it as close as he could to, you know, the original mix of the album. 
And uh, and then we had the the entire album remastered by Zeus. Oh, um, the the mythical so, Zeus. <laughs> no, yeah, the, the mythical Zeus, who's actually a good friend of mine. He's some, he's great. He's really great at what he does. Oh, he's legendary. Um, so uh, he remastered the album, and then um, separately, while all that was going on. Um, we had we had filmed some footage in the studio uh, during the Evolution of Chaos recording sessions, and we were trying to figure out a way to use this um, in conjunction with the album. So uh, a guy named named Wayne, uh, who has a, a cool um, video production company, Greyhaven Media, he uh, he wanted to do a documentary. So he and I started talking about it and went back and forth and. We kind of uh, basically we set up interviews with uh, the band um, and also with the original recording engineer, Juan Urtiaga, and uh, filmed all these new interviews. And then we're able to cut in the archival footage from 10 years ago and made a really cool two hour documentary on the making of the album, kind of leading up to it, how the band got there. Uh, the years, the, the the years between victims of deception and uh, evolution of chaos, how they how they it led up to that, and then the you know me joining the band, writing the songs, recording uh, to some some tour stuff. It's a really cool two hour documentary. Yeah, and uh, and then on top of that, uh, we had a live concert that was filmed at uh, Thrash Domination Festival in two thousand nine in Japan. And I was able to talk with the the people at Thrash Domination and get them to clear the use of this uh, live concert on a on a DVD. And it's a it's a really it's a one hour show. It's uh it, it's really great. It was filmed with multiple cameras and soundboard audio and everything. We didn't do any overdubs, so of course it's so raw, it's a true live recording. It's a true live recording, and the video is is great and. Um, it's a it's a really nice package, basically for this. I, I want anytime we do anything for Heathen, I want it to be um, high quality, and I want it to have a lot of value. And I think for fifteen bucks to get a remastered version of the album with a bonus track, a two hour documentary, and a live concert, it's a pretty good deal, yeah. you know. So and it's being released so on vinyl, anyway. which is also cool. That's right, and they did it right this time. The fir- the original. Um, the original release on vinyl was the same as the CD master. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, the vinyl aficionados did not love it. Um, this time because it was all on seven- one disc and hence you get a different, That's you right. get a different That's compression right. and everything kind of sounds a little different. So That's right. So this time out, we had a special vinyl master made. Um, there are four sides. So two records um and uh and there's a lot more sort of headroom and you know things that vi- the vinyl fans will i think will will really like yeah it. so you gotta you gotta we order were... both though you gotta get the vinyl and the cd if you want to get all the content so uh so yeah I, that's right. i'm in i'm in i mean even the, <laughs> the vinyl even comes with a digital download so you literally get all of them if you buy you know all all forms of of media yeah yeah that's killer 
uh, yeah, super excited about that. And of course, uh, still up for pre-order since we're talking business stuff. So yeah, that's, that's yeah. exciting. And to boot, it releases, uh, what January 31st, which is, you know, one day after my birthday. So I had to buy myself, a, <laughs> I had to buy myself a birthday present this time and throw in the money already. Awesome. So yeah, excited about that. And that badass blue is just so cool looking. It's, uh, yeah, yeah we actually chose the, the vinyl color this, you know, for the release too. Uh, we, we, how can I put this? Uh, the evolution of chaos is Lee's baby. Yeah. Like that, that album. Um, I mean, I wrote three of the songs, but really it's, it was Lee's baby and, uh, and he loves the blue. So we just, yeah. Awesome. Well, let's check out one of those songs off of the original release of the evolution of chaos. This one's called dying season.
So, like you said, uh, you, you guys announced the new Heathen album last January. So, basically a year ago, uh, it was kind of put right. out there to the world that this is actually uh, happening. How far along is that album right now? I literally have one uh, guitar part to finish, and then it's oh. done. Um, we, uh, we have been recording for, for a year, actually. Um, we've been really taking our time with it, um, making sure that every part of it is the best that it can be. Um, and, uh, it, it, it's going to be, it's going to be killer. I mean, it's, it's going to be a little different from, I mean, each one of the heathen albums is a little bit different. They all have their own sort of vibe to them. Um, and this one's no different. Uh, I will definitely say that it's darker. Um, there's a lot of depth to the album, um, uh, meaning, you know, lots of parts that, that are layered on top of each other and stuff that really add a feeling to the songs. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's killer. Um, it's, we haven't announced who's mixing it. The artwork's done. Um, we haven't even announced the new lineup yet, so <laughs> we're we're uh, we're keeping everything kind of uh, mysterious at this okay. point. Okay, so so there is a new lineup as far as members that are officially still part of the band. That's right, oh, and that's a secret, huh? Well, uh, everybody knows three of us. Yeah, we don't. We just haven't announced the bass player and drummer yet. Gotcha. So so, so Jason is no longer hanging out with you guys. No, you know, we, we knew that he was going to be really busy with XOR right. and, you know, we, we had to make, kind of make a difficult decision and so, and so did yeah. he, um, you know, but we, we love Jason. He's, we're still, we're still on good, good terms and awesome, you know. Well, looking forward to hearing uh, what you guys have announcing for that. As far as the content itself, then, you've been recording. You've stayed consistent with that. And when you and I were first kind of chatting about setting this up, you had said, yeah, you know, I don't want to mess with my setup. I've got stuff going for Heathen right now. Are you recording your own parts at home, or are, is the band recording in your studio? So we did. Uh, we, we've we How many studios have we done it? <laughs> uh, numerous. So... Uh, so uh, the, the rhythm guitar parts and all of my guitar solos um, were recorded here in my home studio. Okay. Um, and, uh, and then we did some additional guitar stuff um, at the same studio where we recorded the vocals and bass. Uh, we did a, another studio where we recorded the drums and then uh, another studio where we had some guests solos recorded okay and was the idea behind all the studios just proximity based off where people were at any given time no actually um this was the first time that we did not record a the heathen a heathen album in the bay Area. right um i really wanted to get everybody away from home this time so um it, it it required uh some travel um we actually recorded a lot of it, um, uh, in new England. Um, and, uh, and then the, like I said, the guitar stuff was recorded here, um, where I live. And, um, so it was a different process than, than the last records, but I think in a way it's been good because, you know, when you're, when people are home, uh, they have all their stuff from their home lives coming in and, um, 
interfering is the wrong word because that sounds bad, but, but it's hard to stay focused when you have all the distractions of the home life. So I really wanted to get everybody away from home when, so that when they were recording, we were literally living at the studio and recording and it was, you know, really productive use of, of our time. And there, there weren't the distractions from home and it was good. I mean, it really, I mean, except for me where I had way too many distractions, <laughs> uh, which is probably why it took so long to record everything uh, here at home. But, but, um, but it's been great. You know, I mean, it's, it really has because we've been able to really nitpick everything and get it the way that we wanted to. And, uh, they, they say that you never finish an album. You just abandon it. Yeah, so I'm, I've heard that several I'm times from people. Ready. I'm just about ready to abandon this because it's this this one is my yeah. baby. Ready so. to release the babies into the world. That's to right. To exist on their own. <laughs> <laughs> so uh if you don't mind me asking you a tech question though, uh in regards to the way that you're recording this, uh, are are you still using live rigs in your studio or have you gone the digital route and using Kempers and profilers um, and all that kind of stuff? Well, uh we, we've, we've done a lot of different things. So, um, I do have the live rigs here in the studio, um, mics set up, recording everything. The one thing that's great about technology these days is that I was able to record my live rig, um, exactly how I, I wanted it and then send it off to somebody to make a Kemper profile right. of it. When you listen to it, you cannot tell the difference. It's, it sounds like my life. Yeah. The benefit of that is that if I decide to change something, um, or let's say the vocals were, were recorded and we wanted to modify something to go with the vocals, no problem. I can do it and it fits in seamlessly. It's not like I have to worry about the sound matching or any of that. Right. It's, uh, it's, it's been an awesome thing and it's, and it is the live tone. I mean, whether it's in the digital box or not, I mean, you can argue back and forth about that all day and night, but I'll tell you, I've, I played it for a buddy of mine who I've been in, in another band with prototype for a long Mm -hmm. time. And he, he heard it and he was, he got a Kemper and I sent him the file and he's like, Oh my God, that's the sound. Like it's incredible. Yeah. You know, we use the, we use the Kempers with Exodus and we use the tempo of the damned tone that was literally made from that recording yeah. by Andy Steve. And, uh, and you can't tell the difference. I mean, and live, it sounds awesome. Yeah. And you don't have to worry about tubes. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you have to still have to worry about the machine, right. Breaking, but it's easier to have a backup when you can just, it's basically, it's like, okay, I have my memory, my USB stick or whatever. Right. And I'm cloned whatever the, I have two Kempers and they're clones of each yeah. other. And it's, it's awesome. You profiled so. a profiler. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So <laughs> what, uh, what's the, what's the rig that you're basing your tones off, uh, for this album? Uh, the heathen sound has always been a Mesa boogie Mark series amp. And so this one is also awesome. Killer. Yep. So, uh, you know, I've talked to a lot of people now who have said, yeah, I still have my regular rigs, but just for studio purposes and touring purposes, a lot of times it's just so much easier. You've already got your sound. And like you said, you don't have to re-mic something if there needs to be a change, something else or set up that gear or oops, somebody bumped something and it affected the EQ and now you're trying to re-EQ all that stuff. So that's, that's right. I literally just leave my, my Kemper 
I don't touch any of the settings or anything. And then if I need to punch something in or go in and change something or add something, the tone is always the same. It matches. It's beautiful. I mean, it's great. I did an album right before this, which is still hasn't come out, uh, that where I literally mic'd my amp and did it that way here in my studio. And I, I kept having to worry about knocking into the mic and, you know, did I change the tone or, you know, right. (laughs) Crazy. That's awesome. So, uh, yeah. As far as the album goes, it's pretty close to being done. Now, was this all new material? Did you pull anything out of the vault, old stuff that had been floating around for a while? All new material. All new. No, nothing from the vault. It's all brand new stuff. I mean, we had 10 years to work on it. Yeah. So uh, we signed our deal with Nuclear Blast back in 2012. I started writing uh, in 2012. So some of the songs all have been around for a while uh, in demo form. Some of them went through drastic revisions um, and and improved greatly. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's all new material, nothing, no covers this time, all original, all new. Awesome. And officially then, Nuclear Blast is still who you guys are going to be going through. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yep. So, is there a target date? Do we have an ETA, something ballparky we can put our fingers into? All I could probably say is spring. Springish is the is the plan. Spring's not far away. Yep. Yeah, I mean the album is the like I said the recording's pretty much done. The album cover's ready to go. Um, we've we've got a little bit of you know behind the scenes work to get the rest of the album package yeah. together, and you know we still have to get the album mixed, but it's it's pretty much pretty much where it needs to be. Cool. So one more guitar track, a mix, a master, and a final package, and it'll be out there in the world. That's right. Awesome. Well, you mentioned a second ago prototype, and I was going to bring that up because it does kind of tie into some other past stuff. Uh, Really killer, if we're going to categorize it, kind of a a progressive thrash band. Pretty technical, very melodic, lots of cool stuff going on there. Now, my introduction to prototype was by way of Guitar Hero 3 with The Way It Ends, which ironically... As you said, you were working in the video game business at the time, as was I, because I spent 14 years in management with GameStop and having my, I know, and having my hands in lots of meetings and lots of conferences with vendors and publishers and distributors and kind of all that mumbo jumbo. Uh, And so my first access to to Prototype was was (laughs) through that and that song. So... And so you worked on the Guitar Hero games. You worked on some Tony Hawk stuff. You were with Activision. So tell us about that time in your life. Uh, Well, I I was – after college, I was just – I I had a job as a teacher assistant, and I was teaching music. And uh, my goal was to be a full-time musician. So after three years of being a teacher assistant – I decided now I'm going to try this out. I'm going to be a full-time musician. Everything was going great. I was doing fine. Uh, the one problem was that I didn't have health insurance yeah. and I got sick and was in the hospital. And, um, after that, it was kind of a wake up call that I needed something. Um, I had a, a young son and I was concerned about having insurance for him. So anyway, I, I, there was a period of time there for, uh, a few months where I couldn't work. And, uh, I ended up getting a PlayStation, uh, the original PlayStation one. And I was playing a game called pitfall 3d, yeah. which was made by Activision. Yep. 
And while I was playing it, um, I had gone through and those, those, those kind of games were like, that was my jam. Yeah. The old school just, platformers. If, if that's right. If it was a run, jump, spin game, I'm, I was in. So, um, I found this spot where that I jumped to in this game. Uh, I had the character jump to it and it was, uh, it, it was the top of a mountain or something and it, it, you were not actually supposed to get there. And so what ended up happening is I had a 99 lives or whatever the max was. And I watched them all go away one after the other because it would respawn me in the same spot. And, and then, then you would die. die. And I would respawn. And it was like a thing. So I, I got really, you broke it. You broke off. the game. I like, well, I did. So I said, clearly this company needs help. So, <laughs> and I'm the one to fix uh, it. I, I actually went on the Activision website and looked on their careers uh, uh, portion of their site and saw that they were hiring testers. Yeah. So I said, okay, well, I think I might be okay at this. So I, I, I got a job as a tester there uh, and I worked in, uh, I alternated between quality assurance, which is the testing and customer support, which is was at the time dealing mostly with um, the PC games that they right. made. Uh, and helping people basically, uh, fix whatever issues they were having with their, their sound card or video card or whatever. So, um, anyway, uh, it, after, uh, about a year, I ended up being a, a quality assurance lead. So I was leading a team of people that were testing games and I was working on, uh, the very first Spider-Man game, uh, that was made by Neversoft, um, and another game called Star Trek Invasion, which was, it didn't do very yeah. well. But they, I was kind of working on both of those at the same time. And uh, and then uh, soon after that, we worked on the uh, Spider-Man game f- for the first film. Right. Um, and that was a, a really big deal for Activision at the time because it was the first, um, and for, for any video game company, it was the first multi-platform simultaneous launch so we did you know it, it we did the playstation we did uh nintendo 64 we did dreamcast we did uh pc we did mac we did and all of them came out at the same time which was had not been done before yeah and to boot on top of that there there's kind of a stigma in that industry that sometimes licensed games aren't known to kind of have the best support usually they're not very and good. this one um, killed the, it yeah, and that, and it and it did really really right. well. So after that, uh, game was successful, and I, I like I said, I was kind of managing the QA teams that were doing this, and we had to like actually uh, have them in a separate lockdown room where you needed a key card because no, the film company didn't want anybody to see any of the movie, <laughs> you know, the script stuff right. or plot or whatever. So after that, I got I got moved up to. Um, uh, the production group and I was an associate producer and I worked on several Tony Hawk games and, um, and some other action sports games that we did. We had a whole line of action sports games, motocross and sure. stuff. And, uh, and then after that I was a producer, um, and I worked on a couple of the guitar hero games and I worked on the, uh, the quantum of solace. Yeah. James, James Bond. Bond yeah, game. Cool game. And, uh, I was working on call of duty, uh, I don't know what they ended up calling it. Um, it was some future warfare kind of 
game. Um, I, I don't play anymore, so I, I don't know what game it was. Sure. But uh, I, they, they had a massive layoff in 2011. Yeah. And I was, I was part of that. It was like, I think they, they, they uh, let go of about 500 people worldwide. Was that during just, the kind of Vivendi, Activision, Blizzard craziness that was going on? No, it was after all of those things, actually. Um, they had already done the, the it, it was weird. Like they sold Activision to Vivendi and then they bought it back. And then, uh, and then there was the merger with Blizzard and they became Activision Blizzard. Yeah, after buying like was, 400 million shares of Vivendi stocks or some crazy thing like yeah, that. Yeah. So it was a, it was a, it was a weird time. I, I had just finished, um, Guitar Hero 6, which was called Warriors of Rock. And it, it wasn't very successful, but I got, I was able to, you know, I was the producer. So I was literally in charge of the budget, the schedule and all right. that. And, and we got that game done and approved uh, 28 days ahead of schedule, and it was under Which budget. Which is unheard of, and, by the way, in that industry. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a major accomplishment, I, and, and the company recognized it, and, you know, I was rewarded financially for it, but immediately laid off afterwards. And it just didn't, like, I was... Uh, I was frustrated and, and it actually didn't want to go back and work in the industry because I was like, I just was, did the best work that I've ever done. Sure. And my reward was ultimately getting laid off. So what's the deal? I had a hard time, even when I was trying to, to get something, I had a hard time finding anything. So, um, I just ended up saying, okay, well, this is a sign that I should go back and play music. Yeah. And, uh, I did want to ask as far as working on the guitar hero games, just, the licensing alone for that franchise must have just been out of control crazy. How many bands or musicians were approached versus how many accepted? And then how did you narrow down that field that actually made them final into who was included in the games? Well, we actually have had a, a music department uh, at Activision that did all of the licensing. They selected the, they, they basically narrowed down the choices okay. And then uh, they would be sent over to the software developer. And at that point, when I was working with them, it was mostly Neversoft. Um, and they would say, well, these are best for gameplay. Um, you know, they would they would work on them. They would sometimes have uh, songs that they wanted in there. Sure. Um, you know, I, ultimately, I didn't have that much um, say in what songs got added. Um, I was really fortunate to get some of my music into some games. Right. Um, there were some games that I made. There was one um, that was not successful at all, but that was actually my concept that um, that I pitched to the company and we ended up making called Tony Hawk's Downhill Jam. It was a downhill racing game. I'm familiar with it. And uh, and I put one of my own songs in there because I was the producer and I, Poor. you know, I didn't get, we, we didn't, it was a prototype song. We didn't get paid for right. it. I didn't care. You know, I mean, it was really just to get the exposure to the band, you know, and that that band uh, essentially is just known for the way it ends. Yeah. I mean, if you looked at all of our songs and what ones get the most plays, it's like 90 percent that and everything else. And we have three albums, you know, everything else is like 10 sure. combined. So. You know, but that's okay. That's what people like. I'm glad people liked it. You know, it was cool. I made the, I'm, I worked on, uh, remixing the song to make the stems, you know? And so uh, there was, 
that was one of the things that I liked about Activision back then in the earlier days was we did what people referred to as fighty scrappy <laughs> work, where it was basically like, we don't have a budget, but I know I can do this. Like I recorded some of the dialogue for some of these games at our studio and at Activision and edited stuff. And I edited songs to make them so that they were radio friendly, you know, like sure. editing. I mean, it was crazy what we, what we did to make the games, but it was cool. It was fun because you really were a part of it, you know? Yeah. It wasn't just all hiring everything out to other people to do it and managing it. I mean, being able to do that stuff, I, I love doing that. And I think that's, it's been a benefit to me because now I know how to do so much more uh, stuff with audio and everything, you know, than I, I would have before. Sure. You know, one opportunity always leads to another in some capacity. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I spent, I spent a small portion of time after Activision. Uh, actually, I say small, but it was, it was probably two years where I was a freelancer and, and I led a team of, of audio editors and we edited all of the dialogue for the Elder Scrolls online game where I'm, if you know anything about it, it's the, uh, it, it has more dialogue than any game. ever. Yes. I'm <laughs> extremely familiar with MMOs in general. And of course, yeah. anything by Bethesda and Zenimax and their related companies, uh, I've thrown my money at them more times than I care to admit. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, for that game, I would drive down to the recording studio, pick up discs that had all the dialogue on them, bring them home, you know, put them on my computer, send them out to the different editors. I would edit a lot of it myself. And then I would re-edit some of the things that I would get. And, you know, it was an, it, it was an interesting experience. It was working in a different side of the software business, yeah. but I, I loved doing it because I'm, I'm pretty good at editing now. <laughs> I, li I like doing it. And we're talking hardcore wave editing where, you know, in that game in particular, they were really worried that people would turn the music off and uh, everything and you they would just hear the dialogue. Right. And so when you're recording dialogue, people have noises that come out of their mouth, whether it's spit or, you know, little crispy sounds or whatever. Yeah, lip smacking, I call it. That's right. And, and most people uh, in other media forms like TV or film, they don't care about that because there's always something else and you're never going to hear right. it. But we had to literally like go in with a pencil tool and, and old school programs and like draw down the waves wherever there were lip smacks. And it was, it was crazy. Yeah. That's some really, really, really <laughs> high tech stuff to do that too. It's, it's, it's out of control. Crazy. Especially when you're working yeah. with a lot of these games and, and some of their budgets, they weren't always hiring the level of actors that they're using now that, that are familiar with mic techniques and familiar with kind of how yeah. to work the room and stuff like that. So a guy with a condenser mic in a room sticking his face right up on that mic <laughs> is, uh, is making a bunch of noise. Most of the games these days have pretty good audio budgets. Yeah. I mean, all the, all the voice actors for that particular game were top notch. Yeah. I mean, really good but does it doesn't mean that they don't have lip snacks sure. you know i don't know what it is i don't know what it, what it is about british ladies but they just <laughs> it's insane absolutely <laughs> well uh so that was that was a really cool part of your life and i i'm glad that you and in, you indulged me in that because being involved in that industry for so long myself i, I definitely wanted to get your perception on that and yeah, then you cool. it was the best best job i ever had yeah, i always refer to those kind of jobs as the best job i ever lost <laughs> Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and now, and then you went on also now you you do some work, uh, transcribing music books, which is yeah. awesome because for a long time, I think that music books 
kind of went away and everybody got into like tablature and of course there's the interwebs which is kind of the the devil for all things you know <laughs> as far as keeping projects yeah, going I, I i taught guitar lessons and still teach uh, a few students right. and and over the years you know I, a lot of the younger students would bring in these tabs that they would find online right. and and they were wrong they were wrong yeah. they were completely wrong and i was and i and i started to think about it and i'm like why are you know, we have, there's this great resource up there and there's no way to police what's right or wrong. And, um, the, the days when, when, you know, bands would have like guitar books come out kind of were gone. And so, uh, I just decided, well, I'm going to try it with my own music. So I made a prototype book, which was way too big. Uh, it was like 500 pages. Um, and, uh, and I, I enjoyed it. I went to music school. I went to two different music schools. So I, I, to be able to use the education was great. And to be able to, um, notate some of these things where people were playing them wrong. I was like, well, I'm just going to try it. So I did a couple of different books. I did the, uh, the first Exodus book I did was like a collection. It was called pleasures of the Frets. Yep. Um, and, uh, and I, I enjoyed doing it. So, uh, those are not, you know, those will make, those will make money. Those are for me for, they're a cool project. Yeah. They're like what I refer to as a legacy project yeah. for me. And also for a band like Exodus, those guys deserve to have guitar books. So did um, you self-publish? Out. Did you that? self-publish those first books? Yeah, I self-published all of them. I've done six yeah. so far. So it, when people go to the store to buy them, uh, it's my store. I send them out, I pack them up. Um, the same with the heathen store. So anything that gets sent from the heathen stores, literally I packed it up myself. Um, I do have, uh, Amazon fulfills some of the, some of the guitar sure. books now I sent, send them to them to fulfill. Um, but it's just a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a cool thing that I think that um, you know, I just enjoy doing it. I have a, a guy that works, that works with me that does some of the transcriptions because as you can imagine, it's very time. Yeah. I would assume I it's super, things out more yeah, I would assume it's super tedious just from the paperwork side of things. I mean, are you queuing up the music and listening to a passage and then just putting that down there on the staff and going note by note on that stuff off memory? Or are you having to go back and re-listen and figure that stuff out uh, again? For, for the Exodus stuff, um, I, I, a lot of the songs I've played them. So I know how they go. Right. Um, and then it's just a matter of going back and listening to the recordings and, 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 you know, like notating the solos and, um, you know, I want them to be accurate. Sure. I don't want, I, I don't want them to be something where people say that sounds wrong. Oh, there are some weird things that they play every once in a while where even the two guitars are playing different things and they don't actually match up, but that's how they record it. Sure. So, you know, um, but yeah, they're, it, they're cool projects. They're fun. Um, I, I like doing that kind of stuff. It's tedious work and it's slow and, you know, but I, I, I like doing it because at the end of the day, I like making stuff. I mean, whether it's a CD or a book or whatever, I mean, I kind of always been that way. So it's a creative thing as well. I, even the, al- the, uh, album covers, the book covers, the book jackets, I do them all myself. Oh. Um, you know, that's epic trying to find. Yeah. So I just, I, it's a, it's a one man operation. Plus I have help with some of the transcriptions. Well, you got to work with uh, Steve Smythe from Nevermore on that project. How was it working with him? 
Uh, actually, Steve, um, he he only transcribed his guitar solo in one song. Oh, really? That's it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I would have loved to have him do more because he actually is really good at that stuff. And he used to do it for one of the guitar magazines <coughs> back in the day. Um, but... You know, that that particular project was uh, a little more expensive uh, than some of the other ones. Um, and so I, I, I couldn't afford to hire anyone really to do it. Um, Steve was nice enough to transcribe that for me, and I, I appreciated it. And I, I, I talked to Jeff, and Jeff was Loomis. Jeff Loomis he yeah. was able to, uh, to write a really cool foreword for the book and, you know, I even got the original artwork files from uh, the artist, a uh, friend of mine, Travis Smith, and was able to recreate the look and feel of the package on the book cover. So, yeah. did you did you have a, a personal interest in the Nevermore material that made you want it to do that book? I, just, uh, I think that uh, I think that Jeff is the best guitar player of my generation, oh, wow. and. Um, He's he's a phenomenal rhythm guitar player and lead guitar player. He can play anything, and he's really good at it. And he's also a super nice guy. And um, and I I just I I've always really enjoyed the Nevermore stuff. And they were just one of those bands where I was like, this band deserves a guitar book. This guy is playing some incredible guitar stuff. And unfortunately, you know the the band split up and. You know, he's playing with Arch Enemy yeah. now and he's not actually even doing his own material. And I just, you know, I, I just had always wanted to do a Nevermore book. So I just did. Yeah, you just I made mean, it happen. Fuck it, I'm doing it. Whether yeah, there, there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> do you have more of them in the works or are you kind of uh, putting that one on hold for a while? Uh, I do. Um, I've got plans this year and I don't know how much of it I'll be able to get done or how fast because of all the heathen stuff coming up, but... Uh, I, I have most of the new album already transcribed and, and ready to be in a book. Sick. I want to release a guitar book for the new album when the new album comes out. Um, I also am planning on doing a heathen sort of anthology where it's like a uh, from the other albums, the, the previous albums, where it's kind of a collection like the, uh, the Exodus, the first Exodus book. And then uh, this year is the 35th anniversary of Bonded by Blood. God and damn, so we're I'm old. Planning on, <laughs> I know. And so I'm planning on doing a Bonded by Blood book this year, too. So uh, last year I did three. This year, if I can do it, I want to do three also. Oh, amazing. Yeah. I uh, I think that's an awesome project. I love the fact that you have a passion project that you do kind of do for your own shits and giggles or what I call self-therapy because I lock myself in the room sometimes just to work on things to clear my mind of other things. So, uh, I definitely appreciate that process. So, so what can we expect besides the heathen, besides the books, what else is going on with you this year? What should we look forward to? Well, uh, I mean, heathen is going to be pretty much my main focus this year. Um, we've got the new record coming out. We've got uh, a lot of touring stuff, uh, planned. Um, I think that's really going to be the, the main focus. I do have other projects like the guitar books. Um, there's, a, a, another project that I would love to complete, um, an album that I've been working on where I'm actually singing and playing guitar. So a solo album. Uh, 
it's not really, it's, it's just a, another project with a buddy of mine gotcha. and, uh, it, it's actually mostly recorded. Um, we just need to, to finish it. I don't know if that'll happen this year or not. I'd love for it to, but, um, and then my first band, uh, psychosis, um, we had a, a release in 92 called life force and, um, we got the original lineup back together and recorded the drum tracks already for some songs that never uh, came out from that era from 1993. So I want to do a, a that that CD out of print. So I wanted to do like a an anniversary edition with with a bunch of new songs and the and the older ones and have it be kind of what it should have been as a full length. Oh, I love that. So, as I always say, especially with 2018 and on. What's old is new again with just the resurgence of all these really awesome projects that I think deserve to have new life breathed into them. Yeah. And they're just fun. I mean, for me, like I'm at this point where like, there's a lot of stuff I want to do new things, but then there's also like projects that I call legacy projects where it's like, it's older stuff, but I, I really want to, I really want to, um, you know, do something the way that it should have been done originally kind of a thing you know whether it's because of new technology or whatever that's awesome so well if people want to keep track of all the cool stuff you have coming down the road and with heathen with guitar lessons and everything how do they find you in social media land (laughs) uh i don't uh, i i basically uh avoided social media like the plague for a long time (laughs) as did i because it's because it's a time sucker so um i am on facebook um, heathen is on Facebook. It's heathen.official. Okay. Um, that's where, uh, probably most of my social media focus will be this cool. year. Uh, I do need to set up an Instagram for heathen. I've been delaying that sure. too. Um, but, uh, that's really it. Yeah. I have my personal profile on Facebook and you know that I, I post a lot of things as public. So, you know, they can be sort of shared. Um, but yeah, that's, that's it. I need to set up some Instagrams. I do have my own YouTube channel too. Okay. Um, on there, my name is Proto Cragen on there. On there, um, I need to build that up and work on it. It's just that's also time consuming, and I just don't have. Sure. To. Awesome. I wish there were more hours. <laughs> don't we all? <laughs> so. <laughs> well, hey, man, I want to thank you once more for hanging out with me today on Misery Point Radio. And I'll be looking forward to getting my pre-ordered copy of The Evolution of Chaos when it arrives just after my birthday. And looking forward to checking out that new album when it finally arrives. Yeah, well, thanks again for having me on, Mike. I appreciate it. Well, there you have it. Words of wisdom from a true metal scholar. And don't forget, you can still pre-order your copy of the upcoming re-release of The Evolution of Chaos, available January 31st. Man, I just had a flashback to working at GameStop for a second there, hawking all these pre-orders. Anyway, if you like what I'm doing here on Misery Point Radio, please subscribe to the show on all the platforms and like all the social media pages, share them, do your part for the universe. I greatly appreciate it. Now it's time to check out one more song from Heathen. This one is called Control by Chaos. Chaos.